Hi, welcome to USA Fencing Coaching Education Podcast. I'm Sam Callen, your host. While the podcast is geared to coaches, I think many folks will find the topics of interest. Guests on the podcast will be fencers, coaches, club owners, and also for people from outside the fencing world who can contribute to improving coaching. If you have suggestions for a podcast topic or guest, please email me at s.callan at usafencing.org. That's s.callan at usafencing.org. Thanks, and enjoy the day's episode. Hey, welcome to today's USA Fencing Coaching Education Podcast. I'm Sam Cowan, your host. And uh, my interview today is with Iris Zimmerman. Um, I don't think she needs any introduction to uh, folks who listen to Fencing Podcast. Uh, Iris is an Olympian and uh, now is a club owner. And, of course, uh, her family is deep into fencing as well. And this interview, I did something a little bit different. Uh, kind of did rapid-fire questions to her and uh, just that discussion. So I hope you uh, enjoy the interview with Iris Zimmerman. Hey, I'm joined uh, by Olympian Iris Zimmerman. Iris, thanks for agreeing to answer some of the questions here for the podcast. Thank you. Hey, first question for you, Iris, is how did you get into fencing and what attracted you to the sport? Oh, my. So I have to go way back. Um, I started actually fencing when I was six years old, but I walked into the fencing club with Felicia, my sister, also uh, an Olympian, actually a two-time Olympian. And Felicia walked in. She was eight. I was probably two or three at the time. And um, I kind of toddled in. And and when my mom dropped her off, yeah, I literally toddled in. (laughs) And uh, when my mom dropped her off to fencing practice, um, she you know, had me along with her. And, um, you know, as I got a little older, it's funny because I'm actually Bucky's at a camp here right now. And when I was big enough to sort of walk, um, Bucky made me a small foil and then would, he drew a little, um, dot on the wall oh. and had me hit the wall. And so since I was like three, I've known fencing and, um, and, you know, when I was six, I could actually start really when I was eight, uh, fencing was my sport, but, it's hard to really say what it was that brought me to it, but, you know, I tried swimming. I did the prerequisite, like, swimming and gymnastics and all of that, and, and I never took to any of that. And I think part of it is the sport itself is really dynamic, so you always feel like it's always very interesting. Yeah. You know, like, you get a, we're always learning something new about it, and even now, you know, 30 years into fencing, I'm learning something new. But, you know, if I were to be really honest, at six, at seven, at eight, it was really about the group of kids that had been there. Um, and I hear that all the time about the kids at the fencing club. It's really about the group of kids and also about the coach. You know, Bucky was very inspiring and um, he pushed us. Um, and he, you know, and, and another piece of that, too, was having my mother um, say, you know, Felicia, this is her sport. And I'm not driving, you know, 25, 30 <laughs> minutes for her. And then having you do another sport, you're going to do this sport. So. You know, it's it's part of all that. You you know, my mom kind of pushed me, but I still liked it because the kids in there and Bucky was very inspiring and he was very funny. And um, you know, as a kid, I just had a whole lot of fun. And there's a video of me. Um, my dad took while I was fencing when I was like probably seven or eight. I'm like, this, I don't know why my mom perms my hair, but she perms my <laughs> hair, and I'm like big puffy hair, and I'm just laughing and smiling and dancing and hooking myself up, and I, I just love it. And I don't know why, but 
sometimes you don't know what the real reason is, but I've been trying to pinpoint that, but, but I just love it. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we had you, that we have you in Fencing World for sure. Um, Hey, Ira Zimmerman, I want to ask you about your early coaches and I know Bucky Leach was one of your early coaches. Maybe talk a little bit about that relationship and about uh, his coaching style and how that worked for you. Um, Bucky and I had, Bucky coached me, um, for a very long time, um, until from probably 1987 to about 2004. Uh, so I had a second coach, uh, Nat Goodhearts and, uh, she coached me through, um, the 2008 Olympic trials, but you know, that was a shorter time frame. Um, Bucky was really my coach and actually he's very he was very much a father figure in my life I probably spent more time with Bucky than I did with my own parents um you know so because Felicia between Felicia and I and how much time we spent at the club um we were there all the time um the coaching style Bucky had uh and he's a women's foil national coach now an assistant coach at Notre Dame you you know people have heard a lot about him he was um very uh (laughs) Um, kind of Bella Caroli-esque, I guess, is if you can say it. He was that type of coach that made you do it. He didn't mince words. He pushed you hard. Um, and that's something that my immigrant parents, especially my mother, who's Chinese, like that was that for her. She saw someone like, oh yeah, that 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 kind of coaching. I understand is very old school. You know, mm-hmm. like old school. Like we're gonna hit it hard. We're gonna go for a very long time. You're gonna go like from a, the time I was thirteen. 12 or 13, you know, he would pick me up at 530 in the morning, I would go swimming. And then I would come, you know, go to school after school, he would come pick me up, or someone would come pick me up, I go straight to the fencing club. And then I would just take lessons and fence. So he was very much that person. But when you're trying to um, change how the dynamic and the landscape of US fencing, because at the time, we weren't doing that well, you know, we're having nationals outside of you know, these shopping malls or these old Walmarts and, you know, nothing was really taken as seriously, I think, as it should have been. And we weren't getting as many um, consistent international results here and there a smattering. Right. So you have Mm -hmm. all these outliers, but it wasn't a consistent program. So I think what Bucky did was take his pentathlon background and really take that in that old school sort of European training and pushed us. And I have to say, I mean, it was probably... Um, he's very different than he was before, you know, he's like, man, Iris, I haven't yelled at anyone in 20 years because, you know, if he yelled at the people when he moved to New York city, I said, if you yell at people like you did with us, you know, you're not going to get very far in New York city because they're going to tell you, you know, don't do this. And that's not how we do things. But he, it was, um, everything that you think an old school coach, um, would be. And that's what he was. Um, and it was very intense for a very long period of time. Right. Um, Ira Zimmerman, uh, I have a question for you about your, um, you do some coaching now, although you mostly are in the administrative role at your club. And by the way, how about plugging your club while we're on here? <laughs> yeah, Rochester Fencing Club. My sister and I, Felicia and I own the Rochester Fencing Club. There you go. Can't, can't let a chance like that go by. Um, <laughs> how is your, again, you, you, you do a little bit of coaching, but not your primary task there, but with the coaching instruction that you do, maybe describe a little bit about how the coaches that you've had influenced how you coach today. 
Um, I think that I take the things that Bucky gave me and really evaluate. Um, he is kind of like a savant when it comes to fencing. Like he can see it, break it apart and pull it back together. And, and I thought that was really, really very interesting. And Nat, who is one of my coaches was really good at the psychological process. And just, she talked a lot to her students. It was funny because I went from Bucky who you do what he says and you don't question anything. You don't even blink. You just do what he says. And I even said to him today, like when he, when I hear his voice, it's like Pavlovian. All I want to do is get on guard and hit someone with a foil, you know? So he had, he had that methodology. Like that was drilled into us. Nat came to me at a a time when I finished college and, you know, she was into the philosophy of fencing. And so it was kind of way on the other spectrum and very much your own, um, what, if you wanted to fence and do well, it all was on you. Right. So if Bucky, it was almost as if Bucky put all of that pressure on him you see what i mean like you're performing for him whereas nat it was like you're just performing for yourself and i'm here to support you i think my philosophy and something that i try to get the coaches at my club to do is really um i think you have a sort of ethical standard of you know i want to push the kids right but then you have to understand what each kid needs i think that you can have certain philosophies in how you coach but in the end, you really need to take each kid as their own. Um, and so I put a lot of effort into really understanding each kid. And I think that's part and parcel of being an athlete. Like the kids, the people that I've given lessons to, I've really kind of picked it apart because I think as a fencer, I think this person psychologically and, you know, if I were a fencer against them, these are the things that I would use against them. So I need to get them better at this thing, you know? So, I, I think of each person as an individual group. However, you know, it's hard because I'm in the admin role. I don't give, you know, 20 lessons every day. So I don't really know how to do that one-on-one lesson. I think I'm really good in a group uh, setting and making sure everybody is taken care of in that group setting. Um, Mm -hmm. I tend to do a lot more talking. I don't um, do what Bucky did and I don't make the kid do exactly what I say at all times. I, don't feel a need to do that. I, um, run the class and I, I give each kid, I sort of have a good way of dealing with each kid that what they need, you know, like Mm -hmm. this person needs to work on this, this person needs to work on that. So I think in a group setting, I'm much better. Um, but like I said, an overall philosophy of my coaches and some people laugh at how many coaches I have on staff and I actually need to hire another one is the reason I have so many coaches is because this is a martial art and a one-on-one, I think it's really important that you have enough personalities to deal with the many personalities because everybody, yeah. So people learn differently. We all have different chemistry. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different thought processes and like different kids have relationships with different coaches and they have different thought processes, maybe like the coach or somehow it clicks. So I think it's really important to really understand each kid and to take them and respect them and to understand that. I think there, I have to, you know, definitely say a caveat is, is I've never trained a world champion. So I don't know what that level is. And I know there's a level of intensity of drive, just as an athlete, as a coach needs to make them that way. And, you know, our fencing club is growing and we're, you know, we're at a, 
we're getting there and we're getting there and you you treat those athletes all differently i think you've got the beginner level athletes they need a little bit more time a little bit more energy you're really getting to know them they're getting to know you and then it's just different at different stages um but i i think coaching is one of the hardest things it's almost like being a parent to that kid you're part of their circle and their village and you're teaching them and i think you have a I think it's really important. You have a responsibility, not just to make them a good fencer, but to make them a good person. And I think that um, is a, you know, that for me is a huge philosophy at the fencing club. Um, not to go off on a tangent, but, um, and it's hard because does that make champions? That's the question. You know, if that's my philosophy, does that really make champions? I don't know. I would hope so. I would hope that like the kids that walk in the door, if I give them everything, if my coaches give them everything, if they give everything in return, because they're inspired to do that, I would hope that that would make them a long-term lover of the sport and a, and a, and a good athlete. Well, I, I think it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes people believe that there's this difference between you have, um, you have a coach or a club where the kids are welcomed and they're valued and, and you certainly are, are saying those things. And, well, yeah, but can you make a world champion out of that environment? And I'd say, well, if the kid comes in and gets run off after the second day, that kid's chance of becoming a world champion are zero. So yeah, but at, yeah, first yeah, thing you have to do is keep them in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you because the reason why I kept going, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. The reason why I kept going in the beginning at six and seven and eight is because I love the sport. I love the kids. And we had a lot, lot of fun learning, you know, Bucky's very good at like just keeping you going, inspiring, putting the carrot out and wanting, you know, you want the next step. But, you know, would I have been as good if he didn't make it so regimented and so and drive me so hard? So that's the I always come up against that. But then I always go back to my original, like I stick to my philosophy of having the kid be well-rounded, but what that also means is that I'm asking the kid to make a commitment. Uh-huh. Um, you know, being, it's not loosey goosey. It's, I'm still asking them to make a commitment. I'm still having them listen to me, but I am also reciprocating and listening to them. And I think that's where the trust comes. And that is where, you know, there's going to be times as a parent where you just say, no, you have to do this and you have to go forward and I got to push you. But, um, you know, it, the difference between me and Bucky is that if you push back, I didn't tell you that you didn't know what you were doing or you know, <laughs> something more negative. But if you push back with my students that push back or parents or people in my club that push back, I go, okay, let's have a conversation. Uh-huh. And I think that old school style is like, no, I'm the coach. I'm the master. You're the student. You're the parent. You listen to me. And I don't think I, I, just don't think that's the method all the time. You could put your foot down about things, but you really need a a little bit more give because sometimes the kids need that open space to say, today I need a little bit more help with this. And you'll get a better long-term fencer if you give them small bits of space to kind of insert themselves and be confident in themselves. I I love that. Well, um, I I would encourage folks to go listen to the interview that I did with uh, Bucky Leach that was posted on the USA Fencing website back in uh, in August, and because he talks a little bit about that, he thinks that you can definitely be this uh, less old school and more about what you're talking about, and still be have successful fencers. So, um, you know, I, I I think that has been shown in other sports anyway. And you know, there's, and I think your point you made earlier about having so many coaches, 
there to meet the different personalities of the kids means that you are you're increasing the odds that a kid will find a coach that they click with and that can teach them and keep them in the sport and leave the world champions aside because that's the you know one tenth or one one hundredth of one percent or whatever the arithmetic turns out to be but that just helps that kid become the best you know fencer and athlete and person that 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 fencer can be so i applaud your philosophy no i agree and and i as someone who's an administrator at the club and i'm not a full coach and my my responsibility is to this community that I can control, right? So, like, my responsibility is this community, and, the, and our community needs people that are positive influences on these kids' lives. And, and our medium and tool is fencing, so be it. So if we know fencing, then we need to use it in a positive direction for the kids and for the community. Well, that, that's this whole idea of what's called now transformational coaching. It's, it's about looking beyond just that person as an athlete and really looking at the whole person and being very athlete-centered, which is exactly what you're talking about, being very athlete-centered. So um, you, you're on the right track as far as what a lot of us in this business and this line of work of coaching education and, and youth sport development, um, you are, you, you're, you've got hallelujahs from a lot of us, okay? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right, great. Hey, um, Ira Zimmerman, I want to turn to talking a little bit about your Olympic experience. And my first question for you is, when did you first start thinking about the Olympics and thinking that could be me on probably TV, my guess is? Right. So nobody watches the Olympics on television anymore. It's on an app. So, <laughs> um, you know. I'm old the, school. Yeah, right. Me too. But I love the Olympics. Um, my, I've been watching the Olympics since I was a kid. Um, the trajectory for Bucky, you knew when you walked into the Rochester Fencing Club, that was his goal. And uh, from a very young age, Felicia and I were good. So that was the that was the logical progression for us. You know, I won world championships at the age of 14. So for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to make the Olympics. And Felicia was five, six years older than me. So um, she she was that example, right? So she went to world cups. She was making teams. She was the youngest to almost make a 92 Olympic team. So we were on that trajectory. I had someone that I could look up to. I saw that and I had a model for that. So for me, that was just a logical progression. It wasn't like an epiphany. Like I think I can do it. It was almost as if I always knew I could do it because I had a sister that did it. So why not me? You know? So I think it helps in that way. And they, you know, uh, sports psychologists talk about it all the time, how the, the sibling has that advantage, <laughs> yes. you know, so the sibling has that major advantage in a lot of things, not just sports. But so for me, it was the example of Felicia. It was the women, you know, Bucky had brought all these w- women in for the 96 team. And so, um, I, saw those I grew up with those women so there wasn't a question of what my trajectory was and what I could accomplish because I had all the tools I just needed to put it all together and it was there for me um but you talked about the experience too I think you asked me a question about what my favorite experience at the Olympic Games is yes um my um my the Olympic Games for me in 2000 was very difficult in that we were two points away from winning a bronze medal. Um, and it was on a team with Felicia and we lost on a red card, which still to this day I'm probably doing therapy for, but it's okay. <laughs> um, 
but you know, it's, it was a hard Olympic games and I always thought, okay, I'm 19. I'm going to make another one. And I didn't make it another one. So, um, but I do look back and I do understand. I've just said two negative things, but I do look back. And I think the biggest thing for me, um, it went like a whirlwind, right? But when I look back, the one thing I remember slowing down and really taking a part of was the opening ceremonies because I walked in with Felicia mm-hmm. and I know, um, Keith and Aaron also say that about their experiences, being able to walk into the opening ceremonies, because then it's like real. You've like made it. You're there. You're going to compete. But at this moment, you're you have now walked into the threshold of becoming an Olympian. You're walking in not like how many people get to walk in with their siblings in fencing. It's oh. it's true, but not in a lot of sports. And um, my parents uh, were in the stands. They won tickets from the USOC to sit in the stands at Sydney. So. For us, the experience, that couldn't have gotten any better. The fencing itself um, is a hard hard one for me because it didn't turn out in the way that I wished it would. But I think that overall experience of walking with Felicia is the only thing I remember where the time sort of slowed down a little bit. Um, and that was it. Otherwise, it was very – I was very focused as at 19. I was like, I'm going to make another team. I was very focused, like, I'm going to go back to Stanford, I'm going to finish, and then we're going to go make another team in 2004, blah, 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 that's it. You know. So for me, it was on to the next thing, and I think a lot of athletes do that. So for me, the 2000 games kind of went really fast, and I think in retrospect, I would have liked to stay and hang out in Sydney, because how often do you get to Australia? Right. Um, so it, it, that, for me, the best experience was walking in the opening ceremonies with Felicia. Um, so... <laughs> Well, I have had the honor of talking to many Olympians over my career in, in the Olympic world, and um, and most of them will say if, if the walking the opening ceremonies or, or sometimes closing ceremony, depends on who the athlete was and when their sport is lined up and whatnot, um, but they, they talk about that tremendous, uh, that feeling, and I can't imagine what it's like to experience, I mean, experience something like that with your sibling is even more amazing so that's a that's a cool one to be able to do uh, for sure all right well thank you very much hey this is your host sam callan once again thanking you for joining us for today's podcast once again if you have suggestions for topics or guests please email me at s.callan that's c-a-l-l-a-n at usafencing.org and I also want to thank Lee Rosevere. The music you hear on the intro and that I'm talking over right now is provided by Lee. He does that for podcasts for free. So if you're interested, please uh, Google him. It's uh, Lee, L-E-E, Rosevere, R-O-S-E-V-E-R-E. And uh, join us for our next podcast. Thank you. <laughs>